Well, hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into. You the didn't say what message. number it was. This is episode number ninety. I was oh, working yeah. up to oh, it, sorry, so sorry, sorry. we are inching closer and closer to episode one hundred. We're gonna have a pinata. Yeah, <laughs> a pinata. Okay. I think so. So pinata. That's what we're gonna have. Christian, can you make that happen? Anyway, um, we are so glad that you are joining us today. Uh, as always, what we like to do is give you a couple announcements, things that are happening in the church, and then jump into kind of a deeper dive into the Sunday morning message. Um, So the two announcements that I just want to let you know about real quick. Number one is that next Friday, I want to make sure I get the date right. I'm pretty sure it's the 23rd. It's July 23rd. We are going to be doing another fourth Friday flicks here at the church parking lot. We will be doing one showtime of the brand new movie Space Jam New Legacy pretty excited for that. It comes out literally this Friday. So one week after it comes out, we'll be able to stream it to you live in the parking lot. We're pretty excited. Free. For Completely free. So and cheap concessions, just enough yeah. to not cost the church money. Yeah. So, yeah literally yeah. concessions are all a dollar. So come on out if you want to be a part of that. That is a rain or shine event. So whether it's really nice weather, you can sit outside your car, you can kind of join us in the coned off area. Or if it's raining pretty hard, you can still view that from inside your car. We've got a radio transmitter and everything. So check that out. Again, that's July 23rd. Also, this week on July 14th, there is a, uh, a, a uh, what is it? It's family game night oh, yeah, for yeah. the summer of WoW. So what you are encouraged to do is bring any lawn chairs that you might have and any yard games that you enjoy doing. So we're kind of encouraging the church to come up. Bocce ball. Part of it. Yeah. Croquet, if that's you. I don't know. I played. Croquet I have croquet. Once. Do you? I have like an old antique set. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've only played once, and I, I don't think I was any good at it. But uh, it was a long time ago. So you do not have to have children necessarily to come out and to be a part of this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Anybody, anybody. Or if if you've got adult children that are all grown and out of the house, and you still want to be a part yeah, of it, come hang out. Come hang out. It'll be an awesome time. But that'll be bring your own this food. Wednesday. Bring your own food. We're yes. not serving you food. It's all yes. picnic outside. So come hang out. Please, please do. Come meet some new folks. All yeah. those things. So that'll be Wednesday the fourth. I believe if it's double check me on this, but I'm pretty sure that gates probably open at six. Event starts at six thirty. At least that's what's been our cadence. But double check the gates? information on the. We have gates. Yeah, well, that's what I say. Okay. But we don't have gates. It's okay. Yeah. Come in. Doors open six, at six. Yeah, yeah. So people will start gathering then. And, yeah. Summer so, of while on the website. It's yeah. That. So check that out. clcfamily.church. You can find all that information there. So that's kind of all the announcements that we have. Um, at this point, we were at week six of the Better series, and this was a full year. Week into, 52 of Luke. Of yeah, Luke. We just wrapped so, up the Gospel of Luke. Really, really exciting. Well, we didn't wrap up the Gospel of Luke. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we wrapped up the first year of the Gospel of Luke. Yeah, we we're have at least, we have another, at least year, another year. A year and a half, I think, because I, honestly, I haven't even sorted through how. I mean, I have an idea, but yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Be another year and a half. And so, what I, what I shared with you was a lot. I mean, it was a lot, a lot of a review and. Lots of stuff to cover, but one of the things I love about the Gospel of Luke, and you can Google this, like you, um, a lot of scholars refer to the Gospel of Luke as the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So so neat that uh, there's lots to think about when you think about the Spirit. Lots that I'm learning right now. Uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out what the Holy Spirit's doing in my life, and you know, there's been questions I'll even be able to talk to now that will kind of help us do that in this upcoming weeks. There'll be some more. I'm really really. St- being able to understand the role of the Spirit in our lives. What's our role? What's the Spirit? Where does that kind of intertwine? And so I feel like the Lord's just been revealing and teaching me these things over the last several months. And now I get to kind of 
uh, teach them. So I'm really, really excited about kind of what we looked at this week. It's so interesting. Luke quotes Jesus as saying some really strange stuff. He literally just basically told people the week before, or, I mean, the, the moments before, but the week before for us, he basically said, either you're for me or you're against me, bro. Yeah. You know, like it's either one or the other. There is no uh, middle ground, meaning you can't do the hokey pokey thing with Jesus. You're in or you're out, and you haven't decided which one. And if you haven't decided to be in, let me just tell you what you've decided. You've decided to be out. And so there are two kingdoms kind of at play and at war with one another. One is the winning kingdom. We know that it will be victorious, and we are invited into it, the kingdom of God. And so the whole Gospel of Luke is all about experiencing the kingdom of God here and now because Jesus came to usher it in. And how do we get to experience Jesus now before we get to be with him in that eternal state? Well, he gives us his spirit to do that, to live in, be guided by, be taught, be empowered by this Holy Spirit. And so we just kind of learn all about what the Holy Spirit's doing in and through our lives. And so Jesus is finally, I mean, he's had been doing this for some time, but really having some very frank conversations with some very difficult people. Yeah. Like these are, you got to show back up the Sunday, going to be so helpful. He really, really tackles religion. But what we see is Jesus is uh, continually, when he interacts with people, he's comforting the afflicted. He's bringing comfort and peace to those who are afflicted. And he is a Afflicting the comfortable, and he is or comfortable, not comfortable in the South. And uh, so he is he's doing this, so he's having some really, really candid conversations. And he says some really weird stuff here where he goes, you're looking for some signs. You're only going to get one sign. And he says, the sign of Jonah. And for us, that's probably really, really strange and hard to understand. And what does that mean? And so it requires us to go and cover a whole book of the Old Testament. And so what we learned about and we'll talk about today is this idea of typology, which is that there is a true and better version of what we've already seen in the past. And you'll get to realize this upcoming week that there's a true and better version of yourself or that your yourself points to a true and better version out there who is Jesus. And so we'll get to see that. And so what we get to see this week is there's a true and better Jonah and kind of a glimpse of a true and better Solomon. Those are Old Testament characters that were real people and that religious people were very aware of, very, very aware of. Um, and uh, they were well-learned of Jonah and Solomon. So when Jesus says there's the only sign you can get is a sign of Jonah, they would have immediately gone back to the story of Jonah and the Ninevites, mm-hmm. of God telling Jonah to go do something. He goes, nope, not interested. In other words, I understand what it's like to live in your kingdom, and I'm going to go live in my own. You're either for me or against me. Jonah literally tries to go 2,000 miles in the opposite direction of where he's supposed to go. And as a result, he gets uh, on a boat, and the boat, the weather started getting rough and Jonah's like, it's supposed to be a three hour tour and it was much longer and messier. That was a shout out to Gilligan's Island. And uh, For and, those of you that are under 20, you have no idea what Yeah, just, or 30 probably even. Uh, I know what it is. But you're but over 30. So. Yeah, see that, that's how that works. And so, but anyway, and so long story short, Jonah finally confesses that he's in the wrong spot and he's against God and God's against him. And if you, if you don't want God to pour out his wrath on you as a result of me, he you know, throw me overboard, he throws him overboard, and he ends up in the belly of a fish for three days. And we got to learn that that story is actually the beginning of a story that's going to be fulfilled in Jesus. That God is going to swallow up Jonah. He is going to come to this place of brokenness and repentance. And he's going to get spit out on the shores of Assyria. And he's going to go in and it says he literally spends three days walking through Nineveh. That's a pretty big town, right? Yeah. 60 miles wide or 60 kilometers, one of the two, I don't recall offhand, and where he's going to show up. And he really only has one message. And the whole message is 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 
You got 40 days because of your sin, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Didn't really get to cover too much of what that meant in the sermon. Can cover it today. And so what happens is these Ninevites, they repent, and God turns his face on them. He gives them grace and mercy where they deserve hell and damnation. And so Jesus is going, that's the only sign you get, but there's going to be a sign just like that. And that's where we go. There's a true and better Jonah, another one who gets put in the belly of the earth, Mm -hmm. who then is you know, spit out of the earth on the third day, right? Open back up. And on that he came and people who repent and turn their face towards Jesus, he, he, towards God, he shines his face on them and offers some grace and mercy and the kingdom of God. And so he's going, you don't understand this because you're so caught up in your religion, but you're looking for a sign. There's going to be a sign. It's going to be the sign of Jonah. They had no idea what it meant at the time. Hopefully many of them figured it out uh, a year and a half later when Jesus actually does that. So we get to go, what does this mean for us? If we're just reading through the Gospel of Luke, it probably means we got to cover this stuff too. And I was yeah. like, okay, going to cover this. And so, because we had to cover this this week, five verses, four verses really, and kind of, then it means we're covering a lot of verses next week. A lot of verses, I think 33 through 54. So okay. 22 verses next week to look at these four this week. And so it's going through the scriptures and going, we're just going to open them up and figure out what they're saying. Yeah. So this would be an easy one to pass over because it doesn't make a lot of sense, but let's make some sense out of it. And so that's why we're here. Yeah, I do want to say for anybody that's joining us online. So LK, thanks for joining us. Good to see you there. Um, we do have this Well, you didn't say hey to Nancy. Platform. That's what the end is. And Nancy. Hey, Nancy. How are you doing? Um, so LK and Nancy, thanks for joining us. And then also, if you are uh, catching this live, a lot of you listen to this later. That's awesome. Yeah. We're so glad that you do that. But if you are catching this live, you're welcome to kind of tune in with any live questions. Um, just even simply to say hi. We love to yeah. interact with you. Um, as we do jump kind of into this, one of the things that I wanted to ask, and I, I already know kind of the answer yeah. of this question, and I've felt some of this pressure myself. But specifically this week, we had a longer review and at times, we will do that intentionally. And yeah. then at times, like I think this week wasn't necessarily a planned one. Yeah. What, why is there sometimes a longer review? Yeah, thanks for asking that. Really do appreciate it. Um, this feels a little canned because you just mentioned, <laughs> hey, I think we should talk about that. And I go, oh, that's a good idea. So yeah. thanks for yeah. bringing I mean, I genuinely mean this. Thanks for bringing this up. So I'm going to teach about 40 45 minutes worth of material each week. And you're going, wait, that sermon is not 40 to 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of know how long you're going to be there when I go, okay, now let's get into the material after the review. And so I feel that, well, there's a couple of things. One, you know, my, my background is education. My first and second degrees, associate and bachelor's are both in education. Like, I mean, I, I taught mathematics in school for a few years when teaching the Bible for a while, and I'm convinced that review really does matter. Yeah. Uh, and so you learn from repetition. And so... I like, for example, now all of you would, would at some point if you've been a part of the church for multiple years, would know that the meta narrative, the story of the whole Bible, Bible is creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Yeah. I haven't brought it up in six months, but boy, did I bring it up forever. Yeah. I'm proud to bring it up again, but you just learn through repetition. Even if it's annoying, you didn't learn their multiplication tables all at once in one sitting. And so there's something about those things. And so one, it's just repetition, but that is actually the smaller version of it. So if you watch any TV shows, like I don't, I'm bad at this because I don't keep. I fall asleep during TV. Like I, my brain, brain, brain runs, and then we'll watch some TV and I'll fall asleep. Like I, and some of okay. my brokenness is my parents just stuck a TV in front of me. They gave me one when I was like in third or fourth grade, so I went to sleep watching Sports Center. Right, okay. so it just was there, and it played throughout the night, just in the yeah. background. And so my wife didn't grow up that way. TV goes off, all that kind of stuff. Not like even a sleep timer. I mean, it's off, right? And so she falls asleep and dark and quiet makes perfect sense. And so one, I just fall asleep in that. But the other part, because I fall asleep, one thing I have a hard time doing is fall the plot. 
okay. throughout. So any like anything like twenty four or even lost or where the plot kind of runs throughout an entire season. Yeah, I can't do it. Like I just can't do it. I need. I tell you this all the time. I just need a new ba- a new bad guy every single week. What I really hate is where it goes in the past and the future and the present. It's like whatever. And people are like watch <laughs> this as us. You'll cry. It'll be good. It's like I cry enough in real life to not do that anyway. And so, but anyway, the so I don't watch those shows. But what? What Hollywood or what you know entertainment has done to try to resolve that for people like me is when you go to watch a show, it will say something like previously on, and it will won't tell you everything. It'll just give you all the snippets of the pieces that connect to the what's going on now. And yeah. there is an assumption to me, and this it might be frustrating that I do such a long review, but, I, but what I wanted you to hear is this: there is an assumption that every single week there are people who are engaging with us and perhaps, probably actually, engaging with the scriptures for the very first time. Yeah, right. What I do not want to do, especially at the pace that I talk and the mail on the ground we cover, is I do not want to run off and leave them. Yeah. We are all not starting at the same starting point. So one of the ways I think we can be gracious is we can bring up, bring in all the people who didn't start where we started. Now, one of the problems with a year-long sermon on the Gospel of Luke is a lot of us got a, a, a very clear head start. Now, obviously, I can't cover all that stuff, and I know some of you are tired of hearing about Theophilus, you know, <laughs> and, you know, uh, doctor turned investigative reporter, right, right. Dr. Luke, the scientist, right? And, but at the same time, it's really important to me that when people see these scriptures, they don't think of this, like, hocus-pocus or myth or folklore right, or legend that it's real people, real time. So I want to just kind of bring them in. Now, this week was a little bit longer review and covered a lot of ground. I went all the way back to the beginning of time, right? Yeah. Okay, I got to talk about the Holy Spirit. But the reason I did that, don't do it all the time, but the reason I specifically did it, didn't even think about doing it until I stood up on stage and go, oh, there's a lot of new people. So we had baptisms. Yeah. And as so when baptisms happen in our church, Guess what happens? A lot of guests come to watch their niece, nephew, goddaughter, godson get baptized. And what I don't want to do is preach at them. Yeah. You know, tell them how they better behave or, you know, completely talk over them. So the only thing I know to do is go, if we have this many guests, it would make sense that we spend the time to bring them all along. Yeah. So this one was a little bit longer because I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Most people who aren't Christians think the Holy Ghost is weird. In fact, when you call it a Holy Ghost, they want nothing to do with it. They think of Gas- Casper or something else. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, see, that's why I don't do the church things. You're talking about these weird things. Yeah. So if we're going to talk about these weird things, like the word Holy Spirit, we probably should help people understand who the Holy Spirit is, and Holy Spirit's God. Well, how do you help them understand who the Holy Spirit is and that he's God? Well, you got to go back to where God began, which was never. So now i got to explain to them that God never began, that he always was. So now your mind's blown. So then you got to go, okay, well, how do I help them understand that in light of the fact that they are currently present here? Yeah. So let's go work through all this and kind of understand that the Christian scriptures are the only answer to the why of of uh, humanity. They're the only answer that give you a clear understanding of why we exist that actually makes sense. Not that God's needy, not that he's insecure, that that he needs to be worshiped because he's, you know, he's, you know, insecure and all those things. And so how do we help them understand that it all began in this first act of triumphant, infinite love? Okay. Well, the Holy Spirit helps us explain that. So this past week, thanks for leaning in if this is new to you, but what I want, or if this isn't new to you and just being willing to listen, what I want you to hear is you can invite your neighbor. Yeah. Because we're going to make sure that they're cared for and supported and brought along into this. We are operating in this weird, these multiple layers that I expect many of us to be deeply in love with Jesus and know his scriptures deeply. Really, really matters to me that we continue to challenge you and call you forth, right? At the same time, we're going to also operate that there are people that have no idea why they should ever listen to a single word of the Bible. 
we all exist in this room and in this space, so let's figure out how to make sure it's inclusive of all people. And the only way I know to do that is actually a long sermon. Yeah. yeah. Lots of review in a long sermon. So you go, then you hear me go, okay, now if you're a Christian, if you've been doing this wrong, here's why this really matters. And you go, hey, if you're not a Christian, hey, I see you upstairs in the balcony, all of you, right? If you're not a Christian, let me, let me explain to you why you should still listen. So it's really just trying to be honoring of the folks there. Paul did this. He says, hey, people of Athens, right. you have this this statue that says to an unknown God. So obviously you have this blank that you need to fill in with something because it's unknown. Well, let me actually help you understand how we can fill in that blank. Like, so yeah. it's just being mindful of the people around us. So that's yeah. what that was about. So thanks for asking. Uh, so there's always gonna be some review. Sometimes it's five minutes. Most of the time it's 10. Occasionally it'll be 15 to 17, maybe even 20 minutes. Yeah. That's what we saw this past week. Yeah, and so I, you know, I, I was away this weekend so I didn't actually get to watch the service live. I think you had said something like you, you're review was long and then as I watched the service I thought to myself yeah it was long but yeah. but I thought that it was important to just hear that why like yeah. if, if you that are watching overtime I think it's um, you're probably a step further along in your faith or you're very curious and you're going hey I don't fully know but I want to know more yeah. and so I felt like it was a good thing to talk about because occasionally we do get comments like man you're really long in your review and I think that I, what I like yeah. is to to be able to have the freedom to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance and yeah. going longer in yeah. review because there, when I was communicating weekly, it was the same thing. Like I would see several faces in the crowd and all of a sudden I feel like my entire beginning yeah. shifted because I'm going, man, I really want them to come along with us. So I appreciate you explaining that. And I, I yeah. hopefully you, as you're yeah. listening to this, you appreciate the understanding of yeah. why that review yeah. is there. So at best, if you're here all the time, you can go, you can think about it and think, man, I really can't bring my friends here. Yeah. Right? right. At worst... It's just a form of worship, right? Yeah. Just going, I'm going to give up 15 more minutes of my time because I want to sit here with God and yeah. with the community. And so, yes, this is a long sermon, but we're learning about the gospel and Jesus and what he does in our lives. It would make sense that we would give our best effort and do our best to try to explain those things. I, I actually probably shared a few more jokes than I normally do, but it's still kind of the same thing. I'm going, boy, I want... I want these folks to feel comfortable and loved and thought of and considered in this. And so we got on Rehoboth Beach in purgatory. Sorry about that. <laughs> but. Um, so I'm just kind of pulling up uh, the scripture for this week. I do want to kind of jump yeah. into that. Um, but yeah, so the kind of the big picture, the, the better two choices that yeah. you gave this week were either Jonah or Jesus. Which seems like an easy one. I'll yeah. take Jesus. It's, but It's kind of like that Sunday school question. Yeah. Like it's the answer is always Jesus. So yeah. like what's brown and furry and collects nuts for the yeah. winter? The answer is still Jesus if it's Sunday school, right? Like yeah. So Jesus is always the correct yeah. answer for Sunday school. But breaking that down, you started to type talk about typology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that something more that you wanted to talk about or even just explain kind of that definition of what typology yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, so I'll talk about it a little bit more. And so there's this idea of true and better typology. I'm really, really thankful for it. Let me get my pen just in case I need it. I'm really, really thankful for the work Tim Keller's done on this. And so mm-hmm. there's actually some cute little, like, uh, typography. I almost want to talk about typology. When I say typology, you think of typography. They're not the same. And But I was like, ah, stay focused. And then I was going to show you this video. It's four minutes long called True and Better, where literally, see, it's in my big, bold notes. Okay. I just passed right over because I was like, ah, I just took those four minutes in review. I don't yeah. know if that's necessary. The good news is, is you'll get to watch it as we set up this next week's sermon, so you'll get to see it. But mm-hmm. really, Tim Keller's done a really good job of pointing towards all the things. Adam, then Cain and Abel, and then, you know, like, can I, I 
Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, all these different people, and all of them were pointing to a better answer. So it's kind of interesting because you just said the central answer is Jesus, but every bit of truth, every answer points to a better answer, right? That's what typology is. Like if you discover some truth about anything, like maybe truth is love is real, right? Well, then all of a sudden that new truth that belongs to God, comes from God, is actually pointing to a greater truth that not only is love for real, it's personified in the God of the universe who pours out his love for us, right? And so in all things, this idea of typology is that there is a true and better form out there that everything throughout human history, particularly the story of God that he's written through his scriptures, all of it is pointing to kind of a crescendo, a piece that answers all the other pieces and solves all the other puzzles, right? And so all of those are kind of I, you know, kind of surrounded in God. And I've shared this over and over again. 20 years ago, I stumbled upon a quote, uh, maybe 30, 25 years ago now, no, 20 years ago. And it was, uh, theology is the crown jewel of all academics. I can't find it anywhere. Okay. I mean, like many of you have even searched for it for me. I don't, maybe I made it up. Maybe the Lord literally spoke it to me. I have no idea where it came from. I've tried to attribute it to C.S. Lewis. It's not in his work. It's like, I can't, you know, like, but what, but I love the thought that theology is the crown jewel of all academics, meaning that all academics are solved in theology, yeah. like all the unknowns. And so this is where I usually tell you that there's seven notes on a, on a musical scale. Why are there seven? There are seven colors in the rainbow. Why are there seven? Well, the scriptures tell, show us that the number seven is the number of perfection or completion, right? And so you have all these things, but all of it means if you trace down math far enough, are you traced when you start learning about loads and limits and all sorts of stuff, right? Uh, when you trace down history far enough or art far enough, eventually you get to a place where you go, I don't know where this originated. And in that place, when you track down all of all of academia, where it should eventually lead you is to this place of going, I don't know. And when you go, I don't know, you have a couple of answers, right? And so the better answer is this is where Jesus fulfills those things. And so typology is just looking at a story and even like you think about superhero movies. So they're all created the same. They're all the same story. And I joke about this often. Why in the world do you keep spending money on the same story and over and over again, right? It's the creation, fall, redemption, restoration story that there is good and everything's good and then it gets bad. And oh no, what are we going to do? We need to be saved, but we can't save ourselves. We have to look outside of ourselves. Someone who's a little bit greater than us can save us. Maybe they'd have to be supernatural and they come in and they save the day and then they restore the world. And you're like, oh, that's so nice. It's every single story. Like, same thing. Why do you keep watching Fast and Furious? It's <laughs> all these different things. It's like this is the same story. Romantic comedy, same story. But the reason being is it's a typology. All these stories are pointing to the story that our soul is longing for, which there is something greater than us that can save us, that can redeem us, and can restore us to the world that which uh, the world that we desire in our soul. Well, guess what world it is? The kingdom of heaven. Guess who brings us to the kingdom of heaven? Guess who ushers it in? Jesus. So every single story about, you know, the Noah's Ark, to the Ark of the Covenant, to the Promised Land, to the spies, to, you know, the temple, all these in some ways. And you go, I don't know any of that stuff. That's okay. But all that stuff is all, I promise you, if you pay enough attention to it, read it deep enough, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it, you know, clear enough, what you're going to see is all that points to Jesus as Savior and Lord and the Him as the hero of the story that resolves us, makes everything new in our lives so that we can enjoy Him forever. Yeah. So that's what typology is. Yeah. Well, thanks for explaining yeah. that again. I felt like it was good. I, I know that you talked about it on Sunday. And as yeah, I even read a definition and I was like, yeah, that's not helpful. Yeah, the definition was like, okay, so explain that definition for me. And, and at least that yeah. was my thought as I listened to it. But uh, If you Google typology... 
You're going to see that definition everywhere. If okay. John Piper writes about it, he's using that definition. If the, yeah. the Gospel Coalition writes about it, they're using Graham Cole's definition. Yeah. So all I got to do is type typology definition. This is what's going to show. That's yeah. what pops up. Well, jumping kind of into the scripture. So uh, technically the verses that we were in, I think it was only like four of them. It was 28 through 32. But we started with 27 of chapter 11. We started so. with 28. Did we start? Yeah, so I was going to read okay. 29 to 32, but we start with 28. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it basically, it starts with 27. There's a woman that says, oh, yeah, yeah. blessed is uh, a woman in blessed the crowd. Blessed is your mommy. Yeah. Yeah. And I did think that uh, we didn't really get to that, but I thought it was so weird that at the end of this teaching, pretty heavy teaching about basically the kingdom yeah. of Satan. Your mama must be so proud. Yeah. She like interrupts with this, like, oh man, blessed is the... Well, it's uh, the ESV says, "Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breast at which you nursed." Like it's kind of like, whoa! whoa like whoa, that whoa. came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Don't draw pictures, <laughs> please. So <laughs> uh, as we get into that, verse twenty-eight, which is where we started yeah. this week, it says, "But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it." In a nutshell, that is these rest of the verses that we talk about. That he is just explaining that. He right? continues that. Yeah. However, hears these words in mind and puts them in the practice. Right. He, this continually, yeah. uh, uh, he who has ears, let them hear. As he uses John to say in Revelation to the different letters. Like this is over and over again. You hear the word of God and you yeah. obey it. Right. And this is why it's so funny. There's all these different books on leadership and all sorts of stuff and all sorts of different realms. And you know, like uh, there's great books like Jim Collins, Good to Great. I mean, there's great books on leadership but it's weird that like what we do in christianity is we go and find those secular things and we kind of absorb them into the church go this is what mm -hmm. leadership is and it's like well throughout the scriptures yeah. there's really only two like requirements for leadership you hear from god and you do what he says yeah like and sometimes it's stupid for example joshua go march around some walls are you sure because i read jim yeah. collins book and that says you should get the right people on the bus and make sure they're on the right seats there's no seats and we're not driving around the bus we're yeah. marching around with tubas right yeah and in any other world and by the way this is a war like either we got to sneak in or go over yeah, like right, right. We can't just announce it with our instruments, and we can't use our swords because we have the instruments, right? All these kind of things. It is a fool's errand to do what they did yeah. unless God's in it. And so you see that real leadership is hearing from God, yeah. doing what he says. And most of the time, we have two problems. One, it's really hard to hear from God, hmm. which would make sense what the enemy's trying to do in our lives, which is just to distract us all the time. Fill us with so much noise and so much distraction, right? You've done it. Uh, I've probably been the one who did it to you, um, where you have this thing that you're wanting to say and make this statement. It's a pretty profound statement. But every time you try and do it, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your spouse, whatever it is, and they keep interrupting and telling a different story in the middle of it. And you just keep trying to start the same sentence over and over again, and you can never get there. Why? Because all the distraction and all the other outer noise. And so the first issue is going, I have a hard time hearing from you. And that's why I like... This is why this Bible is so good. This is why you should come. This is why we should open it. This is why you should study it. Because that is the hard part is hearing from God. And yet he wrote a lot of words. Yeah. He spoke these words to people who jotted them down. And he has protected it for thousands of years. 2,000 years for the New Testament. A lot longer for the Old Testament. Another 12, 1,300 years, 1,400 years of time. Right? 15 even. Not 14. And so you have all this stuff. And so when you think about all those things, once you go, okay, my job is to hear from God. And then the second part is just do what he says, right? Obey it. And that's really, really hard too. That's why I'm like, ah, that's why you should keep coming. That's why you got to be in community because we keep messing this up. And it's going to get really, really confusing this week because Jesus is going to attack 
religion even more, mm-hmm. right? And so what I told you this week is that religion is man's attempt to either get back to God or become their own God, yeah. right? So it's all about our performance, and performance is dangerous. And yet we have this thing that says here from God and do what he says. And I think there was a question yeah. about that that we should probably hit so as we talk I, about this. So I was just looking at, at that and trying yeah. to figure yeah. out how much time, like where yeah. we were. In oh, the we questions. got plenty of yeah, time. Yeah, we're good on time. Um, so this is a question from one of our listeners. Actually, I'm just going to say from LK. Thanks for... Um, oh, it says LK and Nancy. Thanks for... Yeah, LK and Nancy. You're right. I'm sorry. I just... Usually my correspondence is with LK, so I just see this as yeah. this. So anyway, thanks. Um, it says, yes, performance is a one-way road trip to misery. So why in the world would Jesus tell us to hear the word and keep it? Try as I, we might. I or we can't keep it. So if we can't keep it, this is a great question. Why does he try and tell us to try and keep him? So, uh, I mean, I, I think about this in so many different ways. Like, I think about, um, so in some sense, like, it, this helps us understand the Old Testament, helps us understand the Ten Commandments, and helps us understand all sorts of stuff. So the, the first big obstacle, I was talking to my counselor about this yesterday, of just seeing it around me, the first big obstacle for me, for us living in the kingdom of God is actually awareness. Yeah. It's awareness. It's that that we're not waiting to go up there into the kingdom of God, that it's available to us now. And for many of you, that's a brand new, that's a brand new, you know, paradigm. Like mm-hmm. what? So one of the big issues we have in life is awareness. And not just awareness of what's going on out there, but awareness of what's going on in us. That's actually why therapy is helpful yeah. because it brings awareness and clarity to something. And so uh, so even when we think about Luke, he says, I write these things so that you can have certainty of the things you've been taught, so that you can have awareness and clarity. And so think about how you have come to a place of awareness or, or your kids. How about this one? You think about it. In terms of your kids go, I can do that. It's not that hard. Like, I'm going, I got to cut grass. It's going to take a little while. It's exhausting. No, it's not that bad. It's easy. Okay, go go, go, go do right, it. Right. right. Go do it, right? And within 10 minutes of them pushing my non-self-propelled lawnmower, it's like, okay, that's not harder than I thought. Aha! Uh-huh. So, okay, one, it just, that awareness leads you to a place of more appreciation. Yeah. And two, that awareness leads you to a place of surrender. Yeah. Dad, I appreciate that you did this. Two, I can't do it. Will you help me? So let's think about it that way. What better way to get some awareness than to participate, right? And so in some ways, when you hear from God his word and try to do what it says, what it does really quickly, it leads you to the conclusion that LK just drew. I can't do that. So what do you do when you can't do something that you're trying to do? One, you reevaluate whether it's worth doing. Yeah. Awareness. And two, if it is something you're supposed to be doing, you reevaluate the means and methods by which you're going to do it. If it's beyond my capability and my capacity, and yet I believe that God's called me to do it, then there must be a different way by which to get that done. And that's not because I have better, more clever scheme. It's that this is beyond my capacity. And the only way it's going to happen is if something greater than me empowers me to do those things. Hence, all of a sudden, in doing those things, we not only become aware of how little, minuscule, and capable we are, but in that same moment, we can become aware of how great and good God is. So big one is awareness of, yes, you should hear from God and do what he says. And yes, you should come to the awareness really quick that you can't do it in your own flesh. Hmm. Because guess what the biggest thing we have to come to the conclusion is, right? That God has built us for eternity because his main goal is for you and him to be together forever. But your body will die. 
So how do you get out of your dead body into forever? Well, the scriptures say it's through resurrection. Can you resurrect yourself? No. But Jesus says that you're gonna, the dead in Christ will rise. Yeah. You will be resurrected. So how do we get there? The only way is through the same power that conquered the grave in Jesus, his spirit. So now here's an example of there's something that God's called us to that's beyond our capability. So either he's a liar, which he's not, or that the only way by which we can see and experience and live to the fullest of what God has for us is to be empowered by that which can underwrite this calling. So for me... Over the last year, there's been this real awareness of my flaws, my brokenness, and my incapability of being able to perform at the level that's expected of me, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm just not a super Christian. I'm not a superhero, and I can't be 12 places at 12 times. Mm-hmm. So if that's, not, if that's not what you're calling me to, God, what is it you're calling me to? Oh, I can't even do that. Okay. Well, then the only solution to that is God must empower me to do it. So the reason we got to continue to hear from God and do what he says is every time you hear from God and try to do what he says, there creates this gap. Yeah. And in that gap, the one who can underwrite it and the only one who can is is the Holy Spirit. And that whole, the Holy Spirit fills that gap with its power, with its guidance, mm-hmm. with his truth, right? And so the reason we got to continue to hear from God and do what he says is because that is the way by which we get to live in the kingdom and experience God's real resurrection power. Remember, I even told you, even the story of creation, fall, redemption, restoration in superhero movies. Something's got to change, but it's beyond our capability. We got to look to someone who can. Okay, well, what Jesus tells us is that Holy Spirit can and will bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, that Jesus did do that. And the way by which he designed it was through people. So it is this great, powerful God who fuels and empowers and indwells his people. So the reason we got to keep hearing from God and doing what he says is that's actually the only way we actually get to see the Spirit's work in our life. Hmm. Right? Other thing I would just point out real quickly there is it's hard to move a parked car. It's actually really hard to even change directions on a parked car or guide it anywhere. Right? You know this. The only way to move a vehicle is actually, like you don't, you gotta act, it's actually easier to get it going and then turn the steering wheel, right? Yeah. And so there's something about the activity. So as you get in the activity, that all of a sudden it's the Holy Spirit that guides that activity to the place that it needs to go. Yeah. So faith is an action word. So it's impossible to please God without faith, and it's impossible to have faith and without hearing the word of Christ and it coming into us. And so faith is an action, and so you see it over and over again in the scriptures. You hear from God, you take the leap, and as you take the leap, it's beyond your capability, and then God fulfills it. That's why you know some people who take some gigantic leaps. Why? Because they have stretched and built these muscles of faith through the Holy Spirit. That's why many of us are still paralyzed, because we have calculated and come to the conclusion that this step is beyond my capability, and I will fail Hmm. on my own. Well, what a great opportunity for the Lord to show himself off. Yeah. Uh, LK and Nancy said, good point. Had not thought of it that way. Also, Linda, um, over on Facebook, she said she likes the long sermon, so keep those going. Come back this week. There'll be another one. (laughs) Maybe. No, definitely. Um, Possibly. I mean, uh, I don't know. Depends on what your definition of long is. I do think it's interesting as you're talking, there's this idea of like weakness being our strength, right? Like when we recognize that we can't do what we lean into someone. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Yeah. And even it made me think as we were talking about, you know, basically we hear God's voice, which can be a challenge, but then we do it. And even that, it just made me think hearing and doing God's voice even when it doesn't seem to make sense to yeah. us. Like I was thinking of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths, yeah. right? Like it's easy to follow God when you understand yeah. or when you think yeah. you understand what he's doing. 
but when you don't, it gets a lot more challenging. Yeah. So I don't know. I was just yeah. thinking through those. So going back to the point I made on Sunday, which I think the point got lost because I got talking about Rehoboth and lifeguards and all those yeah. kind of things. But the idea of keeping, like yeah. uh, keeping means to be vigilant. Like it's actually a shepherding yeah. term to go. You're always looking for it and ready to yeah, yeah. ready to pounce, right? And so let's actually view this differently than, okay, I got to read it and go do it. It's like yeah. in every single moment, you get the opportunity to practice God's mm-hmm. word. Okay, God said this. Ah, here's an opportunity to actually go pray for that person. Right yeah. now, like I actually can lay hands on this person and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. What? No, there's no way I'm going to do that. I don't have that power. Yeah. But as you read through the scriptures, what you see, even when you see Peter and John at the gate, beautiful, and they go, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I'll give you. That is them keeping the word. Yeah. Right. That is them responding in the here and now to the yeah. word. And so we get so ca- caught up in the calculations. Yeah. Of, we've got to calculate, we've got to plan our day. No, no, no. Uh, if you think about it for a shepherd, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to open this gate and that wolf's going to come and then I'm going to get it. It's just literally, it's just responding yeah. to what's right in front of it. So when when we think about it, it's less about calculating and premeditating the moves and more about responding to what's right in front of us. Like that next time you interact with your grandchild, you can speak life or death into that. Mm-hmm. Next time you interact with your spouse, like you can speak yeah. life into that. And so you can go, ah, oh, God says the power of life and death is in the tongue. I'm going to believe that's true. And so in this next moment, I'm going to hear God's word. I've heard it. Now I'm going to keep it in these interactions. So it's more about being fully present in the moment and responding Mm. than it is about trying to plan it ahead of time. Yeah, that's good. Um, Well, continuing on to verse 29, it says this. And this is where we're getting into, really, I feel like the explanation of what he just said and then continued going on um, to a deeper level. It says, uh, uh, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, and, and I'd love to hear the, the crowd. So we know that he's talking to a specific group of people, but if you've got more thoughts on that, it says this generation is an evil generation. So pretty great, like reeling in sentence, yeah. right? He's like, real seeker sense of don't put a cross in the church. Yeah, like. <laughs> right, right. It says um, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And so, and then I, I could probably continue, but any thoughts there as we look at this crowd, we know that it's a, a religious crowd, right? Like, yeah. So this is the group of people that he's talking to, but wouldn't there have been, and maybe this is just my speculation, wouldn't there have been also those that weren't necessarily religious crowd? Like, I guess. Uh, yeah, so uh, you... that's a really great question. And I just would probably, yeah, I would say there's no such thing as a non-religious crowd. Yeah. Really, and so now irreligious people be like, "No, I'm not." And I was like, "No, you just you just yeah. have a, a you just have your own set of rules that determine what you want to achieve, right? Yeah. So either you're trying to make whatever that God is up there happy, or you're trying to just become your own God. And most of us are just trying to be our own God. We don't. Be, a lot of people don't believe there's some kingdom of God. And if there's no kingdom of God, there's only a kingdom of Josh. Right. So if there's a kingdom of Josh. Who's responsible for the kingdom of Josh? Well, Josh must be, right? And so every single one of these people that are interacting with Jesus, I would imagine, are really intrigued by the work that he's doing. So it says yeah. when the crowds were increasing. Well, the only reason they're increasing is because there's some intrigue about who Jesus is. Okay. So they're coming to Jesus, and we don't know what they're looking for. Yeah. But Jesus knows exactly what they're looking right. for. So it's a fair assumption that Jesus is surveying with the the supernatural discernment insight that only he could have through his spirit. And he could discern exactly what these folks needed to hear. Yeah. So he's looking at a bunch of people and he is actually going to do 
two things. One, he's going to confirm what some people are already suspicious of. And we have this happen every Sunday that there's many of us that are coming to the conclusion that our generation is evil. Yeah. But what's interesting is you think the generation behind your generation is the evil one, but the generation ahead of you thought your generation was the evil one, right? right? right. So that's just this. We've always been able to make this assessment, and the reality is it's all true. We just have a hard time seeing it in ourselves, but we mm-hmm. can see it in others. And so he's just... You know, so there's the evil generation, and you got some arrogant going, don't tell me I'm evil, and others going, amen, that's right, look at that buddy there. And so there's a, a lot of people who we think about it and go, wow, that's offensive. Yeah. That's not offensive to religious people, yeah, right? Yeah. So religious people, like think about it even in terms of gender identity or sexuality. For some people, they go, yeah, you preach what I'm saying, right? That's right, right? Yeah. They don't see inwardly in their own sin and their own brokenness. They can just see everybody else's. Yeah. So that first hook, what we think is like, Ooh, right? Yeah. Uh, for them, I think it probably like peps them up a little bit going, okay. oh, yeah, 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 That's you're right. This stuff. is an evil generation, evil yeah. generation, evil generation. And so now they're going, okay, lean in. He's telling them to turn or burn. Yeah. So but so when he gets to this point and goes the sign of Jonah... They're still going, yep, that's the Ninevites. Yep, that's the Ninevites. They're the bad ones. And so they're still getting sucked into this a little bit. I'm not so certain that they're offended yet. Okay. Now, they're going to get offended towards uh, (laughs) by the end of this passage. And I wish I could have spent more time on this because this is... This is really intriguing because they are leaning in going, this is the kind of guy we're looking for to clean up my son-in-law. Right? Yeah, right? And so that that's where I think this is. So, yeah, it's, he's not pulling any punches. They're just not aware that he's swinging at them yet. Yeah. yeah. So continuing on yeah. with that. And um, uh, LK also said um, at Matthew 12, 38, we are told uh, it was some of the scribes and Pharisees that asked for a sign. So thank you for that, LK. Yeah, so that's really that. helpful there. They're going to say uh, the scribes and Pharisees. Remember, scribes are the teachers. Pharisees are the ones. And we'll, we'll get well into that this upcoming week. Mm-hmm. So we'll go back to that point towards some of those things that they're looking for. So there are people that have come up to him. And so they are already taking offense. But there is a crowd of people who's now watching this, trying to figure out what's going on there. Uh, and Linda's pretty excited. She's... Uh, saying yay and then the same power that raised jesus from the the dead lives in us amen so um excited to have everybody that is joining us live it's fun to interact with you so thank you so much for that but let's continue so for verse 30 so uh that's an interesting thought so they're not offended yet some of them probably are some of them are they're maybe yeah yeah, and so jesus continues working his way towards the offense right um it says as for jonah became assigned to the people of nineveh so will the son of man be to this generation and so then he ch- kind of changes gears talking yeah. about the Queen of Sheba. So now we're going to see the typology. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you got Jonah. Now he's referring to the Son of Man. He's talking about himself. That's his favorite yeah. uh, descriptor of himself. Son of Man is going to refer to his humanity. Yeah. Right? Uh, son of God, his divinity. Jesus typically refers to himself as uh, in his humanity, meaning he is present with them. So he's going, Son of Man. Yeah. And he's talking about himself there. So he's going, the Son of Man is going to uh, so uh, be to this generation. So the Ninevites, they were evil. Jonah was the one. Yeah. Now you got uh, this generation, they're evil, as he just said, and I'm the one. Yeah. Right? So they're going, okay, what does this mean? Not really sure. What is this? Yeah, so, so they're probably still going. Jonah. I think I know where he's going. Yeah. But, and then he can but you got to think about this. When they, they're trying to figure it out, they're going, wait, but he said sign. Yeah. That would have always indicated a miraculous. So the, the sign is that Jonah didn't die in the well. What? Yeah. You know, like this is a different thing. That Jonah was eaten by a fish like, and then lived to tell about it. Yeah. That is. So they're starting to pick this up and go, but you, 
are you going to get eaten by a fish? Like, so they're, they are kind of confused here. By the way, uh, one of the things that, as you look at uh, Yom Kippur, yeah. uh, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, um, and, and Jewish tradition, one of the things that's really easy is for Jews to get caught up in their religious part of it, right? And miss the fact that it's not them that's earning it, mm. but they believe it's in the sacrifices they're making. Fortunately, they miss Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. But what's very common on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur in Jewish cultures, is they actually read through the whole book of Jonah together. Yeah, and at right. the end of each chapter, they say, we are Jonah. Okay. Meaning they are reminding themselves that they went astray hmm. and that God had to call them back, right? And so... So when did that practice happen? I have no idea. I mean, I, 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 centuries. Yeah. So, but. That's an interesting thought. Um, so continuing on. So he changes gears here. So he's talking about Jonah. Now he says, The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold... Something greater than Solomon is here. Yeah, so I wish we could have camped out here on Sunday because this is where it changes. Yeah. So he says, son of man, wait, okay. So let son of man be this generation. So you're saying you're Jonah? Okay, when you, what, what do you, you turn yeah. burn? When's that happening? And then, so at this point, he hasn't referred to himself as greater. Right. right now, all of a sudden, he points to the Queen of Sheba, who was a great lady, who basically said, "I heard a report. I need to see it with my own eyes." Yeah. Right. I heard a report. I need to see it with my own eyes. I heard that there's a God. Let me go to the guy who keeps talking about this God, who gives him wisdom and all those things. So she shows up, and she comes to the conclusion that, "Yep, his God is greater. His yeah. God is greater." And so when it says, "For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon," and he, and so. He goes, and something greater is here. Yeah. So he is saying, hey, religious people, whoever you think's the greatest, put me on top of that. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, they're going, what? You're talking? No, no, no. You, you're saying that about yourself? That's not humble. You can't yeah. say that out loud. You can think it, but you can't say it out loud. And so then all of a sudden, so now... You got that. So now they're, I imagine, are really, really paying attention. Okay, so you got Jonah, you got Solomon. He's now saying, I'm greater than Jonah and Solomon. And there's a sign, but the sign's actually going to be me. We know that would be the resurrection from the tomb. But then the last verse kind of is the one that finally is a knockout punch. Yeah, so 32 that's, then says, uh, The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So he is saying those dirty, gross Ninevites are going to condemn the folks listening to this. Yeah. What? How? No, no, no. They repented, and God was nice to them. Shouldn't have been. Wait, you're telling me they're going to stand up yeah. and call out this? Do they know us? Like, we've stayed married. Yeah. We haven't looked at that. We haven't done that. We follow our rules. And one thing I want to just really point out here is it's really easy for us to really condemn religion hmm. right but and we'll, we'll really get into this this week in terms of religion so it'll be really helpful for you to like this this is part two of the same talk and you'll see how it kind of wraps up together it's a lot of a lot of scripture but in what we're seeing in this moment is these are guys that are pretty sincere hmm. about their faith right hmm. they they believe that the way that god is happy in them is their performance yeah now the problem is they are a little bit suspicious that they can't perform that well, but they can't tell anybody else that. That's yeah, like the right. great ruse of religion is you kind of know inside of you that you're not really that good at performing yeah. it, but you think it might just be you and it's not everybody else. Yeah. So you got to keep pretending. But the person across the room has the same struggle and they keep pretending too because they think you're actually in it. And so, and like, it's like, I this feel like this is the church that I, and I don't yeah, mean this in yeah. a negative way, but this is the church that I grew up in feeling like, 
man, I can't do this at all. Like, I can't pretend that I'm good because yeah. I'm not. And then seeing, like, you know, you would see Secret Sin or yeah. you would see something yeah. and you'd be like, well, they're not that good yeah. either. So, yeah. Like, I guess we're all just pretending. When it has to happen, what Christianity yeah. is, is finally this unveiling of our masks. Yeah. Right? And not, let's celebrate our brokenness, but let's celebrate the grace that God gives us. Yeah. And so that's what the Ninevites did. They didn't go, okay, let's do these seven things and behave yeah. really well. They literally just repent. They go, yeah. God's right. God's yeah. right. We are really broken, flawed people. They have gotten some awareness, right? And so he's going, hey, Nineveh, those folks, they didn't do anything. They didn't go to synagogue. They didn't give their money to yeah. the church. They didn't have their own pew with their name on it. They didn't do any of those things. And yet they're going to stand up and they're going to bring. Sh- they're going to judge us. This is a very shame honor culture. Yeah. And they go, they got in by the skin of their teeth. Maybe God was nice to them. But we, we don't need that kind of grace. And that's why I was like, I think it's really important to kind of share part of my story. Because I was a guy who believed in self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. And frankly, for most of my life, experienced yeah. Like, I, I was able to achieve those things. You want me to f- graduate first in my class? Fine. You want me to do these things? Fine. You want me not to have sex till I'm married? Fine. I right, just right. perform, perform, perform. And literally, there was a reckoning that I had to come mm-hmm. to a conclusion that I am not that valuable. Literally, my own spouse looks at me and goes, you're not worth it. Right? And so there's just something in this, that, that debilitating, you know, crushing moment. It's like, right. what Jesus is saying is, there are people that are telling you, you're, you're dirty and disgusting. Yeah. And they cannot see it in this moment. And so you're going to see next week where one of these Pharisees goes, hey, Jesus, come eat with me. He's so gracious he's going to eat with them. And they're going to start judging him because he doesn't wash his hands, which is going to be so much fun, so much fun in the middle of COVID world. But that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with this outer veneer, yeah. right? And so that's why I love Leonard Cohen's song anthem. There's cracks, there's cracks, there's cracks and everything. But that's how the light gets in, mm. right? And so this is hopefully for some, the cracking of that that facade yeah. so that his light can pour in. Literally, the next teaching point is going to be on light and getting in. Mm. But he's going to say, but many of you have shut your eyes and you can't see anything because you will not let the light in. And so mm. this is a moment where he's making this declaration of the Ninevites are going to look at you and go, your performance, bro, is a D minus. <laughs> yeah. And you need a perfect score, past, present, and future. Yeah. And you can't do that. And part of the reason why this would have been so offensive for them is that the Assyrians were the ones that conquered the northern ten tribes. So, like, as the promised land, you know, the 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Jacob go into the promised land, ten tribes, two tribes, they have this really bad breakup. They split into the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, and it's that northern kingdom, the ten tribes that were wiped out by the Assyrians. and taken into captivity this is where samaritans come from like, they're worshiping these silly gods yeah. like, why, why, why is he nice so it's so offensive for them to i'm sure here these ninevites who were assyrians like that that to me is I, so i was studying a little bit because then babylon kind yeah. kind of comes in and destroys the assyrians but so i was doing a little bit of studying that but just thinking through like the history they're well aware of the history yeah and so they are very much more offended. Like, how dare you, I don't know, maybe yeah. to the degree of, how dare you would even speak yeah. about them. Yeah, and so the interesting thing is you got Jonah, who says the sign of Jonah. Yeah. Jonah was not happy yes. that God forgave them. That's Jonah, right. had, like, took his ball and went home and pouted. Yeah. Like, you know, like, why is he nice to them, right? Like, it's yeah. like, so it is like this. Yeah, because we in Sunday school, I never heard the rest of I the know. story of Jonah, where he literally goes, like, on this mountaintop to watch God destroy the city. And yeah. then he's mad when God doesn't. Yeah, he's like, I wanted the fireworks show. 
Got a so, parade instead. Yeah. Who wants to go to a parade? And then there's even this this whole, uh, the the caterpillar eating the shade. Like, I don't have any oh shade. Uh, you know, like just this. If you have not reread or looked at the story of Jonah, like Just jump into childhood, like chapter four. Just, just jump into it. It's it's crazy. But yeah, I just, it's it's amazing. I, I wonder how they're they're impacted by that. Like, is it enough that they start to ponder or question what Jesus is saying? Or is it just in offense yeah. kind of relaying? And I, I feel like I'm thinking that because I'm going, man, how do I respond? Yeah. Like, that's a huge yeah. part of this. So if you can imagine, imagine this big, thick, concrete facade. Yeah. And Jesus with every one of these things going, you want a sign. I'm the sign, but you're not getting another sign because it's not going to be enough. And he is just yeah. taking swings with a hammer. <laughs> and he's cracking that facade. And they have one of two responses. They yeah. can just let it break or they could try to keep patching yeah. it. And what yeah. unfortunately happens for most of these people is they just keep trying to patch it. And yeah. he's going, see, the Ninevites didn't do that. Yeah. They came face to face. They had a reckoning with who they were and how broken they were and how much they needed a savior. Yeah. And they came to that conclusion and it was that awareness. That's why I think it's so important for us to understand what the word metoneo means, right? That repentance. It always starts with a change of thought. That means a new awareness, new information in the brain, dispelling old information out of the brain. That literally, that word, you know, and even in Romans 12 too, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing. That word is the same one we get for renovation. There are things, like if you go into your bathroom and go, I'm going to upgrade. You're going to go, I'm going to keep the toilet, right? Yeah. Not keeping that sink, not keeping those light fixtures. What are you yeah. doing? You're ripping out the things that don't belong. And so... What happened for the Ninevites is they had some awareness and they replaced some new things. God's mm -hmm. holiness, God's goodness, the fear of the Lord, right? They replaced that. Like, they're not going, why is God angry? That's so silly of him. Yeah, right. No, he's a perfect and holy God. He's allowed to feel what he is allowed to feel because his feelings are perfect, yeah. right? And so there was just this immediate awareness that happened. So Jesus is swinging that, that hammer and he's putting cracks in it. But the, as soon as the cracks are going in it, they're just patching it with more junk on yeah. top of it. And right. so it's pretty devastating to think about it in that way, especially in light of just seeing that happen in my own life. Like that's yeah. why I shared like, literally you would have thought that would have been enough. God's grace so good. And it was for a moment, but there is just this natural bent towards, you know, thinking our performance is going to be the thing mm. that solves all the things. And it is not, but the more press you get that's good, the 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 harder it is to really, really face what's so broken in all of us. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is a question. I feel like on some level it might be obvious. So I don't know if this is a question yeah. that's worth asking or not. But so if we're looking at our own lives, how do we determine whether or not we are hardening our hearts to God or if we are we are open and hearing what he has to say. Uh, like, how, how do we distinguish the difference? Yeah, so uh, there's lots of things about this. But I'm, uh, the first thing that when you said that about hard and hard time, immediately, like in my brain, I would say Holy Spirit yeah. did it. Uh, yeah. Hebrews 3.13 mm -hmm. says, Encourage one another daily as long as the day so that no one becomes hardened by mm -hmm. sin's deceitfulness. So, so the question is, how do we know if we're hardened our heart? Well, it's pretty simple. How much are you isolating yourself? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, if you're not in community where you're uh, like regularly confessing sin, mm. acknowledging brokenness, inviting in vulnerability people to be a part of that solution. So it mm. literally says the way by which you keep your heart from getting hardened, Hebrews 3.13, right? Encourage one another daily as long as it's today, meaning that is a regular practice so that no one becomes hardened by sin's yeah. deceitfulness. 
Not where no one seems to imply that both the one doing the encouraging and the one receiving the encouraging, both are do, being proactive and keeping that hardening from happening. Yeah. So are you speaking encouragement into people, helping them see God is the greatest gift? Are you allowing people to speak into all areas of your life? And the way that the reason that didn't happen for most of us is most people don't even know all the areas mm-hmm. of our life. So it's confession, a regular part of this, mm-hmm. right? If you confess your mouth, believe in your heart, that's how we receive forgiveness from God. But in James, it says, confess your sins one to another that you might find healing. Yeah. So there's something in this. I would say if there are parts of your life that are really, really broken, that you're not inviting other people in to know about and walk alongside you as you try to please the Lord, mm-hmm. not because he's going to punish you because you're bad. That's already going to happen if you don't have Jesus covering you. He's going to cover you. But the, if you've invited him in to cover you, there is covering. But there is still a better life. Remember, it says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it, meaning you are missing out on blessing and happiness if you're not doing that. So you're actually hurting yourself by hiding those things. in it. Mm-hmm. So this hardened heart, Satan's really pleased by. And so really an easy think about is that it's their sin in your life in the last three days that you have not confessed to God mm-hmm. and then invited a friend in to be a part of it. No, you go, well, I don't have any friends I trust that way. Boy, do I know that feeling. Yeah. And I would say, just because you've had some bad experiences here yeah. doesn't mean you shouldn't find new friends, right? You mm-hmm. explain this one. Just because you've had a bad haircut doesn't mean you don't get your haircut again. I mean, I have right. it, but you know, like, <laughs> but you go and find a different one. So I just say, like, that's yeah. what the church is for. Encourage one another daily. So if you're going, oh, I really would love to have some community. I'd love to be that vulnerable with some people. I wouldn't love to be that vulnerable with my spouse. I just don't feel safe. Okay, well, let us help you with those things. we got to bring each other into each other's life. That's why through the month of August, you're going to hear all about community groups, the need for more leaders to create space for people to be really vulnerable with one another. Remember, vulnerability, transparency, those are two different things. Transparent just means you're exposing yourself, which is never a good thing for the most part. You know, just see all of me, whatever that is. Vulnerability is actually making open yourself up and inviting others in to be a part of the solution with yeah. the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, confess your sins to one another that you might find healing, the power of a yeah. righteous person. I think that's in James. And so, anyway, I think yeah, probably that hardened piece depends on how you do it. And this is why I tell you over and over again. The evidence and the research is showing that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I feel like the, the last two thoughts that I had were, one, just kind of repeating. I loved... Uh, your big idea, you said this toward the end, you said God's ability to clean things up is infinitely better than our ability to mess things up. And you said that that was some, it was somebody else's statement. Okay, was that Max Lucado? I saw some of that. I don't know if that's all connected. I have no idea. I just saw it. I was reading something and so I just have these buckets of notes on my computer. And so whenever I'm working on three, four, five, six different sermons, I'm going, oh, that's really good thought. Let me Mm. drop that in there. And so that just was in the bucket. I forgot to attribute it to someone there. Probably could have Googled it. The the last thing that you had said was just this idea of redemptive potential. You might have even said this in the Only in the benediction, benediction. yeah. So I just didn't know if there was anything there that you wanted to talk about. Redemptive potential, it's not the way things are maybe right now, but the way that things could be as God gets in there and redeems our lives. So uh, you can imagine this for the Ninevites, like something changed for them. Like they trembled at fear with God, but also received his grace and mercy at the same time. Like something changed. And those are real people. Yeah. And after Jonah made that statement, he didn't say, keep worshiping the fish God. Yeah. right. Right. Like there are things that have to change in life, but like when you think about that message, even though Jonah was sad by it, God wasn't. And, we're talking about generations of people. Hear me. You probably have interacted with someone who comes from that line of people mm-hmm. that literally would not exist. You might be married to someone who comes from the line of Ninevites. We have no idea. And so there is something 
beautiful about that proclamation and their repentance in it. And so where, where it gets weird for us is we talk about God being loving and gracious. Yes, he is. And that's why I keep telling you, Jesus is not your homeboy. He is mm-hmm. gracious and loving, and he is a great big brother. Mm-hmm. Right? But his grace and truth is, I'm not going to condemn you, but go and sin no more. And mm-hmm. there is an actual response to this awareness. You hear from God, and then you do what he says. That means repent. means all those different things. And so one of the gray areas in this grace-filled pendulum, this, you know, we go back and forth between grace and holiness. The last 50 years has been more and more about grace, more and more about grace, more and more about grace. We've parented our kids with their feelings, more and more about chase your heart, follow your heart, you know, trust your heart. And it's going, nope, I, I, God's pretty clear, uses Jeremiah to say it out loud to people that your heart's wicked and deceitful. And so there is this, this tension we have to manage of this, this is how I am as a result of the fall and brokenness in my life, but this is not God's best for me. So even as we wrestle with God made me this way, and I'm not talking about you immediately go to sexuality and gender identity, and those are some places to go, but your propensity to anger, right? Like your propensity to victimhood or... Uh, manipulation or narcissism, right? God didn't make you that way. Sin shaped you that way, right? And so there's a twofold response. One for the Ninevites, there is this call to repentance, right? God, I am sorry. I've changed the way I think and I have chosen those things over you and I thought that was going to be my best life. I now have concluded that that is not my best life. You are my best life. Would you come and and dwell me? Because how Jesus sees you is uh, as God sees you, is what Jesus did for you and how he actually wired you. Is he didn't wire you to be manipulated and controlled by sin in a broken and flawed world. He wired you to be spirit-led and live in the fullness of what he has for you. And our identity has been so shaped by our sexuality and our performance and all these different things. And the redemptive potential is we get to get out of that being our identity, mm-hmm. right? And so in every interaction, right, we're looking at people, looking at ourselves and going, there's more for us in this. God has a really good story. For the Ninevites, he had a really good story. You're not going to believe it. This random dude, he got spit out of a fish. He came and told us this. And we put on sackcloths, and we yeah. were so repentant. And God blessed us. And we walked in the joy and the favor. And you, look, look, that's my grandkid. Mm-hmm. See that? That's like my daughter was pregnant with him when that happened. Like these kind of things. And there's this glorious other side of what it looks like to hear. A blessed are those who hear the word and keep it. But that is what redemptive potential does. It means mm-hmm. there is an Everything we interact with, every person we interact with, God paid the price for them. He bought them. And if he bought them and they can receive that payment, they get bought back. And if they surrender all themselves, so we surrender all ourselves to that, then there's so much potential in that. So we got to start seeing our world through the lens of redemptive potential. Not that God made us this way. Not that, uh, you know, that's just how it's going to be. We're unique butterflies. No, the God of the universe has much better for each of us. And the best way to live it out is through hearing his word and actually obeying yeah. it. Not because God wants you to have a miserable life. Not because he doesn't want you to f- have love. It's because he has wired you and designed you in for the fullness of life. But if anything takes the place of his identity in you, Christ in you, hope of glory, then you'll never ever experience it. Mm. So we want to call God's best out first for our own lives and then start presenting that and celebrating it as this is who I was. This is now who I am as a result of God redeeming me. And now that's a part of my story. I'm, like I used to think that divorce was my scarlet letter. Yeah, It's a part of my story, but it has nothing to do with who I am, yeah, right. right? Because there's so much redemptive potential that God was at work doing. So. Yeah. 
Um, LK did say, yes, it was Max. And then he said, maybe. <laughs> um, so that is pretty much the time that we Oh, it was Tulian. Now. I'm sorry. It was it was uh, Billy Graham's grandson that okay. I think actually said that maybe Max uh, wrote it after. Yeah, quote, yeah, 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 quoted, I, I quoted him. Okay. him. Yep, sorry. I did okay. see that. Tulian. Or how you say his last name. Anyway. Okay. Well, that is pretty yep. much the time that we have. Really hope that you are challenged and encouraged. I do want to say a special shout out to everybody that interacted with us live. So, LK and Nancy, thanks for joining us. I think I saw Catherine um, Crossan as well as Linda. Yeah. Thank you guys for being a part of it. Um, always love the interaction there. And for those of you that have submitted questions before in the past, we love when we get those yes, as well. So yes, you absolutely. can email us overtime at clcfamily.church um, or just kind of jump online. You can text us 610-869-2140. But that is it for episode number 90. We hope you have a blessed week and we hope to see you this Sunday for continuation. See ya.